0: You're listening to a CFCC audio podcast. For news and service times, visit www.cfccnet.org. Well, good morning, Cypher Christian Church. Did I wake you up? Got your attention. My name is Kevin Gallimore, and I'm one of the pastors here at CFCC, and I'm just glad that you're joining with us here today in worship when you could be doing so many other things, that you're here celebrating the resurrection of Christ with us. We have a lot of things going on in our church here this morning. I hope you got a a bulletin on your way in that has really just kind of a brief snapshot of what's happening. If you're a guest and this is your first time here, we are so grateful that you are here today. We have been expecting you, uh, not like we've been stalking you, but we're so glad that you're here. And we have a gift for you. If you want to fill out one of those connection cards that are in the backs of the pews, you can take it to the welcome desk that's out there right behind the sound booth and they have a free gift for you that they'd like to give you and a lot of info about our church. But we can start this morning with several things that are going on. The first thing that I want to highlight just briefly is Ash Wednesday. Now, when I say Ash Wednesday, you probably have all kinds of things that fill your mind with what you would expect at an Ash Wednesday service. That This might be a, a night that's about guilt, and it's about shame, and that we're just going to heap it on top of you and make you feel worse about the person that that you are well that's not true because that's not the gospel right ash wednesday is more than that ash wednesday is a night where we gather together where we start the 40 day journey to resurrection sunday and on ash wednesday what we are going to do when we gather in here together we're going to worship and these songs are going to be filled with grace and mercy and you're going to be encouraged but what The purpose of Ash Wednesday is for us to have a renewed sense of awe and gratitude for what Christ has done in our lives. And so we want you to join us on on Wednesday night here in the worship center. We're going to sing. It's going to be kind of a different type of worship experience, and and we invite you into it. If you've never been to an Ash Wednesday service, uh, we'd love for you to join us for this first time to experience it. And uh, if you have been to an Ash Wednesday service here at CFCC, this is going to be slightly different. So we encourage you to come. This is all leading up to Easter weekend, which is going to be happening in April, right? And so we have a big, busy, busy uh, season here in the spring, and it's going to really culminate in some ways with Easter Sunday. We have a a Monday, Thursday experience that's going to happen on the Thursday before Easter on April 9th, and a Good Friday service the next night at 6.30 p.m. in here, and then Easter Sunday. We encourage you to invite your friends, invite your neighbors, invite your family, and join us for a huge celebration in here on Easter Sunday. There's a couple of other things that are going on. Spring Fest is happening on March 29th. That's gonna be a huge event and a great opportunity for you to bring friends and neighbors too, so there's info on that. And then the last thing I wanna end with is sort of uh, separate from all those things that happens on a consistent basis is our student ministry. Multiply is what we call our student ministry. And they meet every Sunday night in the foundation center, this building right outside that door there. Um, and they meet and they gather together for uh, for worship, to to be encouraged, and they break into small groups, they play games, it's a really fun time. And uh, if you have a student who's never been, really encourage you to be a part of, of Multiply. There's gonna be a Galveston retreat that happens on March 21st through the 22nd. And for any of these, these items that I just announced, you can go to our website and get more information at scifarechristianorg slash events. You can sign up for these different kinds of things and, and get more details. We're gonna continue with our worship here this morning as we give of our offerings to the Lord. And uh, we encourage you to just reflect on the blessings in your life, how God has, has seen to it to meet every single one of your needs. And in some cases, abundantly. And give out of the gratitude out of your heart this morning. Let's pray, Father. We thank you for this day. We thank you for an opportunity to join with brothers and sisters who are again, maybe they're they're struggling with adversity, um, maybe they're grieving, maybe they're they're having a difficult time, Lord. But to stand next to others who might be going through something similar or something worse, to stand next to others who are 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 standing in in, in blessing and. Uh, but regardless, Lord, um, you really are the point and, and object of our affection here this morning. And no matter what our circumstances are, you don't change. You remain the same. And so we give to you this morning out of our, out of our gratitude, Lord, for being so constant in our lives and for giving us a, a kingdom, uh, allowing us to be citizens of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Lord, thank you for the joy that you bring us through that. Thank you for the peace that we have in Christ, um, that we can that we can say to this world um, that it is not our home, but that we are looking forward to a day when you will you will call us home, and we will be in your midst in your kingdom, Father. We thank you for this day. We give out of gratitude, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. We are so
1: glad you are here today. If you don't know who I am, I'm Cody Chaffin. I'm the uh, student minister here at Sci-Fair Christian Church. If you are a guest, we are thrilled that you are here. Um, Before we get started, can we just pray and ask God to be with us during this message? Father, we know that our words are just words unless you make them powerful, God. Lord, I can't change anyone. No one in this room can change anyone except for you, God. Lord, I just ask that you speak to us, that you reveal to us, you would convict us, you would teach us, you will heal us. Lord, and if there's someone in here that does not know you, God, I pray that eyes would be open, that they will see the light that you are. God, I'm just thankful for what you're gonna do today. You have us here for a reason. And I'm just excited to see what you're going to do. It's in your son's holy name we pray. Amen. All right, you may have saw in E! News this week that I disagreed with what Dale said last week. I am the basketball guy. (laughs) And I love the sport. I love, like, when I was younger, if I wasn't outside shooting hoops or if I wasn't playing six games a weekend, I was watching basketball. Like I, I love the NBA, and I don't know what Dale's talking about. I'm not a huge fan of college basketball watching it. To me, it's all about the NBA. Um, I bleed Houston Rocket Red. They're my favorite team. And I became a fan of them in 2007 uh, when they had Yao Ming, Tracy McGrady, but we didn't have cable, so I wasn't able to watch any of the games. I had to turn on the radio and just listen play by play, and I miss a, I hardly missed any games whenever uh, in 2007 and finally, uh, back like a few years later when I got cable, it was like the best thing ever. I could watch every game. I'm like, oh, that's what the players look like. (laughs) And so every year I would cheer on the Rockets. I would consider myself one of the biggest fans of theirs. And every year they would just disappoint me. (laughs) They would lose in the playoffs. They would lose again and again. And again, until a couple years ago, I thought this was all going to change. It was game seven against the Golden State Warriors. I don't know if you remember this game. We were up by 15 at halftime. If we win this game, we are going to the NBA Finals. And I'm like, I'm going to see an NBA Finals in my lifetime. I couldn't believe it. Because last time the Rockets won, I was less than a year old. (laughs) And so I was like, I'm about to see this with my own eyes, And they just crushed me as they continued to brick every single shot they threw up. 27 straight missed three-pointers as the Golden State Warriors went on to win the NBA championship. My relationship with them has never been the same. (laughs) They've hurt me too many times. But being a fan is kind of a funny thing, right? Like, I catch myself and I catch other people saying, be like, man, I can't believe we missed that many shots. Who's we? (laughs) (laughs) I cannot, I can't believe we won. Like, again, who's we? (laughs) As a fan, we like to, we, we watch the game, we watch those who are actually participating and we are so invested in what's going on that we actually act like we're a part of the win, Or the misses or the loss. Like, you know what? Like, we express frustration. We express joy. We express, uh, like, ourselves with cheering. We will, but the thing is, we're just not a part of it. I sit in the stands and watch them, or I sit on my couch and watch them. I didn't contribute to anything. I didn't score a single point. I didn't miss a single shot. I was just a fan, And that's what fans do. They cheer loudly, they voice their opinion, they boo. And sometimes my fear is that's how we treat God and his work for us. Maybe some of us in here are just fans of what God is doing. We'll sit in church, we we won't miss a Sunday. Every time Pastor Dale or Kevin announces something great has happened, we cheer. When we hear someone get saved, we cheer. When, when things go wrong, we're upset. And we, maybe we're missing out on something. Maybe instead of being fans, God is calling us to be participants in his work. Because when I go to a Rockets game, you'll find me way at the very top. Um, I don't think the coach is going to sit there and say, you know what, we're down by three with 30 seconds left. You know who I need? Come down here. We'll use three timeouts for you to make it down here. Come on. (laughs) Guys, we have this idea that maybe that's how God views us. Like, I know the coach will never point at me and say he needs me to get into an NBA game. We think that maybe God doesn't want to point at us because maybe of our past struggles. Maybe the things we're struggling with now. Maybe we he's not going to use it because we're not gifted enough. We think that I don't have the talents or the education. But that's what God's doing. He's pointing at us and he's calling for us to get out of the stands. He wants us to join in his work. Today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5 if you want to follow along. Verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. And I want to camp here for a second. So, the, the disciples, Jesus has started the Sermon on the Mount. The disciples have just heard Jesus talk about the Beatitudes. And this would have been totally against what the culture was, what their beliefs were. In, in fact, uh, The Jewish people, when they heard Jesus, when they hear about the Messiah, they thought Jesus was someone who's gonna come in and conquer Rome, conquer their enemies, and create a kingdom, and they would rule the earth. But instead, Jesus starts talking about, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are empty. Theirs is the kingdom of God. Their whole lives, what they had been taught is, it's those who are of highest honor, those who have the most, those who aren't poor, are the ones who rule the earth. And so Jesus is flipping that upside down. And they start hearing things like, blessed are those who mourn, those who repent. Blessed are the meek and the humble. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. And blessed are those who are persecuted. These totally go against the cultural norms. In Jesus' time, who did, who, they were under Rome and these people were brutal. They conquered everyone. They weren't there to bring peace. And at the very end, Jesus says, if you live this way, there will be persecution. If you belong to my kingdom, it's not about conquering people. You're gonna face persecution. So the disciples are already sitting there going like, wait, this seems backwards, right? Right? And so Jesus is saying, this is how God's kingdom works. This is God's kingdom. It's different than any earthly kingdom. And whenever you belong to this kingdom, you're given a new identity, right? We know this because when we follow Jesus, when we enter into this kingdom, we are no longer slaves to sin. We are no longer bound by sin. We are now called sons and daughters. And that's a beautiful thing. When we follow Jesus, he gives us a new identity. And he's saying that here, when you follow the kingdom, new identity, and in verse 13, he's gonna give us purpose. You are the salt of the earth. And right away, the disciples would have recognized something, how important this statement was. You are salt. And this was very important in Jesus's time. In fact, Roman soldiers would be paid with salt. It was so valuable. Like, you ever heard of he's worth his salt? So it was very valuable. It was used to stop uh, decay. It would keep uh, meat and fish fresh longer. And also on top of that, it just enhances flavor. I mean, I, I can't go to Lupe Tortillas and not put salt on the chips, right? It's so important. So it stops decay and it enhances flavor. It's so valuable. To them, And so right away what they're hearing is, Jesus says, your purpose is valuable. You are the salt of the earth, this valuable material that the world needs. And this is why the analogy makes sense, because as salt was used to preserve fish or other types of meats, a Christian is called to preserve the world and stop decay. Since Adam and Eve sinned, The world and humanity have been deeply affected by sin. Can we agree on that? Like, it's not that hard to see the effects of sin. Like, in my household, we can't keep a plant alive. Like, but that's because of sin. Decay, a plant not living. I mean, it doesn't take long for things to start to rust or to rot, We see, like just leave a house by itself for a long time. Like don't mess with the house and you will see how broken it will be later on. Guys, I can't even stand up without grunting anymore. And I'm only 25 years old. And every time you get sick, or someone you know gets sick, every time uh, someone is physically hurting, has mental illness, gets cancer, or even passes away, it's just a reminder of how sin has impacted the world. Sin has decayed the world, and not only does sin affect the world physically, but morally. I mean, again, just turn on the news, and it's not hard to find stories of hate and violence. It's really not. Pornography is more accessible than ever. Abortions are more acceptable and millions of babies are killed because of it. Humans sex traffic other people. I mean, and it doesn't even have to be those extremes. Businesses will try to cheat people just for money. There are m- so many children who are in fostering and no one will adopt them. Or there's not enough foster homes to keep them. I mean, there's still racism, even when we pretend there isn't. Sin has eroded God's intention for the world. Like, you, it doesn't take long to see the effects of sin, the decay. I could go on, but I mean, I think you guys get my point here with the world. But because of sin, there's so much hurt and brokenness that that's where salt steps in. That's where you guys... And I step in. Because like, look at this first word. It's not you should become salt. Or you should be like salt. He says you are salt. When you have followed me. When you have entered my kingdom. This is now who you are. And this is your new purpose. You are salt. And if there's decay. Salt stops the decay. So what does this mean? It means because Jesus has transformed us. Because Jesus has impacted our lives, this is what it means. It means when there is grudges, that stops with us and it's forgiven. We start forgiving grudges. What it means is, it means uh, the rejected are welcomed. The outcast, the empty, the rejectedness, the people not noticing them stops with us. We're the welcoming people. Gossip and hateful speech stop with us. We don't enhance that, we stop it. We open up our homes to the orphans and we foster. We stop slandering people on social media. Seems prevalent with the uh, political campaign starting up, right? We stop slandering people and we start to pray and love people because every person we see is created by God and he loves them and desires for them to know him. Maybe it means we stop talking about we stop just talking about abortion. we start loving the women who are facing that choice. We stop sitting in the stands, right, and saying how much we disagree with that?" And we start loving people. What it means is we, we find people who are hungry. We find people who are naked, and we give them clothing, we give them food that lost our pursuit and not waited for. Because here's the thing with this church, guys. You guys are the most loving church I've ever seen. But maybe it's time for us to stop waiting here with open arms and start pursuing people. I mean, this is counterculture, right? This is counter church culture. So many churches, so many people on a Sunday morning, I go to church to be filled by the pastor to have God speak into me, and of course that's good. But we were never intended just to be fed and just sit here and then go home, and that's it. We were called to be a part of the kingdom, be fed, and therefore give that out into our communities. Our communities should feel what we're learning in here today. And I have to ask God for forgiveness when it comes to this, because I've failed to get out of the stands and stop being a fan of Jesus. Because he goes on to say, if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Just a personal story from whenever, I was a senior at Ozark Christian College. I was on the basketball team. It was my only year playing basketball at Ozark. There was two other seniors on the team. So like I was newer to the team. I allowed them to be the team captains. I was like, this is their team. I'm good with that. So one day we are getting ready for our our game day and the women's team was playing before us. And normally before the women's game, they're in the locker room. They're, uh, They're getting their game plan ready and we would shoot on the court, right? That's not a big deal. And when they come out of the locker room, the men's team would get off the court into the stands to watch the game, right? But a few of my teammates decided they didn't care that the other team's women were on the court and they were still shooting in the middle of their warm-up. Very disrespectful, right? It's like, this is their time for the court. And here I am sitting in the stands and I'm upset. Like, I'm not gonna lie to you, I'm upset. And I'm just like, those punks. And I'm just like, How it's kind of like one of those like how dare they moments. It's like like and and I honestly start having thoughts of, man, the other two seniors, why aren't they dealing with this? This is their team. Why aren't they dealing with this? And one of my best friends who was a freshman on the team, no, fresh out of high school, freshman, young, but man, he he's he's one of my best friends. He was the best man at my wedding. He comes up to me. And he's upset, and here I'm thinking, like he's probably upset about the same thing. But he was actually upset with me. He comes up to me and says, Cody, you're a leader. Why didn't you say anything? And it took me back, because what was I doing? I was just sitting in the stands. I looked at a situation. I thought someone should do something. But here's what I did. I thought someone else should do it. Is that what we're doing in our churches, guys? We see issues going on around the church in our communities, in our homes. We see lost people. We see hurting people, broken people. And we look at the pastors. We look at the ministry leaders. We look at the elders and say, are y'all gonna go reach them? I think Jesus is calling us out of the stands, guys. Every single one of us that's my worry for myself and this church, guys, that too many of us are staying in the stands, looking at other people to play the game, if I want to keep the basketball metaphor going. We're watching people who are participating. We'll cheer them on loudly, we will, uh, we will celebrate with them, we will be upset with them in the victories, in the highs and the lows. But we feel like we can't participate. But God is calling each one of us to, to this calling. And part of the reason some of us stay in this, like here's a reason why you will not see me on an NBA court, I'm not good enough. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I'm just not good enough, I'm not tall enough. Like it would be embarrassing to see me out there. And I think some of us bring this idea when it comes to ministry, when it comes to the mission field, when it comes to lost, hurting people, we think that I'm not good enough. And because I love sharing examples, um, so me and my wife, Lauren, we love like sending like, Facebook messengers to each other, like funny videos, or she'll send me like these uh, like 12 tweets about marriage, and she'll send me like number nine. I'm like, "Oh, dang it, she's like telling me something I did wrong.) And, uh, and so we send these to each other and, and I like to scroll through them sometimes and oh my goodness, about five scrolls in I can't stand it. She sent me my very first sermon ever. I can't stand it. Like it was, let's just say like if you heard this message, you're gonna be like, oh my gosh, what is he doing up there? <laughs> it, it was like, I'm embarrassed to watch it. Like not because of like I was preaching, but because I'm like, man, I don't know what I was saying. I was nervous, I was fumbling over myself. I mean, I just had this baby face, it was just, its I don't like looking at it. In fact, I, like when I looked at it, I'm like, I can't believe God called me into this. And, because when I went to college, I didn't go to be a pastor. I wanted to be a coach, I mean, I wanted to be a teacher so I could coach. And one day, my basketball coach says, "Hey, my brother needs people to help at the uh, the training school for kids who committed adult crimes. He needs people." And when he uh, when he said that, I was just like, "All right, I'll help." Like, I don't. I, I was like, I can read from a pamphlet or a booklet, a Bible study. I can sit there and listen and ask questions, I guess. So I go with a group of guys, and I do this for a few months. And again, this is all scripted. It's written out for me. I'm not this talented speaker. I'm, I'm not this captivating thinker. I'm just a common guy who just wants to play basketball with the gospel in his hands. And I'm just, re, like. and we're going over this week after week. We're doing this study of the life of David and we come to repentance. And there's someone in my group named Justice, ironically, Named Justice. And he, again, like I'm not this super deep thinker. Like it just happened that day in class, I heard the story of the thief on the cross. You know, like I just happened to have that in my mind that day. And so when Justice starts hearing about repentance and coming to know Jesus, he starts asking me questions like, how do I follow him? I'm like, oh no. What do I do? And so he, start, he starts asking, and I'm just thinking in my mind, I'm like, you know, recently I've heard the thief on the cross. I'm gonna share that with him. And I do. And I start sharing the thief on the cross and how despite what this man did, Jesus still loved him and saved him. And I could not believe the look on his eyes when he said, is that real for me too? Now I got to say yes, and he gave his life to Jesus that day. A not so spectacular person with a powerful gospel can make a lot of impact. And that day, I decided I wanted to go into the ministry because it wasn't about gifts. It wasn't like, yes, gifts are involved. It wasn't about how skilled I was. It wasn't about how talented I was. It was me saying, God, here I am. Because God, you using ordinary people can change so much. And, And that's where It comes to this church. How many ordinary people in here, if you belong to Jesus, you have so many gifts. Yes, we're, in the eyes of the world, we're ordinary, but we have a spectacular, powerful gift of the gospel inside of us. What would this community look like if each one of us said, here I am, Lord, send me? What would it look like? How many, what would it look like if 200 people said, Lord, I'm going to go out in this community. I don't know what you have for me, but here I am. Because I promise you, if some of you came up to the pastors and said, I want to serve, can you help me find a place? None of us are going to be like, oh, we're full. (laughs) But how many of you are going to get off the stands and say, I want to participate? Because God is saying, I want you to participate in my work. I don't want you sitting in the stands. There's too much at stake. There's too many hurting people and each of you are gifted and needed for this church to fulfill its mission to be salt, right? You are the salt of the earth. And when he talks about losing saltiness, he's simply saying you can't be influenced by the world. You need to influence the world. Where there's decay, we are salt that stops that decay. We don't allow the decay to influence us, right? If salt has lost its saltiness. It's a Christian where you look at them, you're like, I can't tell if they serve Jesus or the world. And he's saying, what good is that? What good is it if people look at us and they can't tell a difference, right? What good is it except for to be thrown on, to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet? Because when it came to salt, Like if it was bad salt, you didn't throw it out into the random fields because it would ruin the ground. It would ruin the crops. You had to throw it onto the roads because it couldn't do any damage there. A Christian who looks like the world can damage mission fields, right? So we need to look at ourselves and say, am I being salt Am I following after Jesus? Am I an example of Jesus? And are we going to do this perfectly? Absolutely not. But that's where Jesus talks about blessed are those who mourn, those who repent, who keep living a life of repentance, where they keep getting up even when we fail. And then to to make this last point, he says, you are salt. And then he says, "You you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. This is the same calling he gave Israel back in the Old Testament. In Isaiah 49, verse 6, he says, I will make you a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Israel heard this calling that God chose them and they held it to themselves. In fact, they became prideful with it. They they excluded the other nations because they felt like somehow we were better people because God chose us. God is re-giving the same mission he gave to Israel to us. You are the light of the world. And in order to be the light of the world, we have to reflect the light of the world. None of this passage is possible. You can't be salt and you cannot be light if you are not reflecting the light of the world. You need to be in relationship with Jesus. Even when you follow Jesus, you need to be in constant relationship with Jesus because people will only see the light if he's reflected through us. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Like let's just think of travel back then, guys. There was no street lamps. that when you were traveling to a city and it was dark, you didn't know if there was thieves, robbers, you didn't know if any of that was there. It was dark. And if you saw a city in the distance, there was all of a sudden that excitement, right? Refuge, safety, a home. And so when people saw the light, the city set on a hill, it caused joy and hope. And so when we stop decay, guys, when we're truly living out our life as salt, and when we're going out into the community, guess who you're going to run into? People walking in darkness, people who are blind, people who are hurting, people who are struggling. And what Jesus is telling us, as we Are the salt. As we go out in our community, we are reflecting the light of the world to these people. Because when people see us, here's what they should see hope, because Jesus gives hope, refuge, rest. That's what they should see when they see in us, because Jesus first gave that to us, right? He first gave that to us, that light of the world. We saw the light, and now we see. And now we'd no longer walk in darkness but in light. And here's the final statement I want to say People do not light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand and give it light. And it gives light to the entire house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. Jesus needs to be the top of everything. It cannot be you come to church here and then you leave Jesus at the door and then you go on with your work, you go on with your school, you go on with your neighborhood. Jesus can't just be a Sunday morning thing. You put Jesus at the top of your life so your neighborhoods, uh, the people you come into contact every day, your workplace, see Jesus because that's the top of your life. And no, we won't get the praise for it when we're salt and light. Our church won't even get the praise, but here's what it says. When we are salt and light, they will glorify God because that's who they will see in us. They will see God through us being salt and light. In in conclusion, I'm gonna call the uh, communion people up to the front right now and prayer partners. When we are salt and light, like I said, God will get all the glory. When we are salt and light, we reflect the God who died for us, rose again for us, And that's a beautiful thing, guys. Jesus invited us into his kingdom, gave us new purpose, and says, I want you to be a part of my plan for the rest of the world. And what Jesus is calling us to do is to get out of the stands. Imagine if each person here said, here I am, Lord, send me. I'm gonna be salt and light in my community. God, I don't know how you're gonna use me, But God, here I, like, it's more, here I am, Lord, send me. Lord, wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Imagine if every person in here did that, how our community would change. People would come to know Christ. Matt Chandler says, if we did that, we'd have to change the way we did baptism because there would be so many, right? Let your light shine. Be salt to the world. Time to get out of the stands. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we ask you that first you forgive me where I have fallen short in this area, God. You have saved me. You saved me despite myself, God. Lord, it is not of works, it is of faith. And because of your grace, But God, in response to that, I pray that not out of guilt, but out of pure thankfulness that we would desire to fulfill our purpose to be salt and light to the world. Lord, I pray you convict, that you open eyes, that you would, uh, we know that your word never comes back empty, God. I just pray that we would see an impact in us and in our community, God. It's in your son's name we pray, amen. And... So if you are new here, we're going to go into our time of communion. This is a time where we just, it's a celebration of what God has done for us, that he, he was broken and he bled to save us from our sins. And if you're new here, the way we do that is we, you take the bread and we dip it in the cup to represent that Jesus' body was broken. He shed his blood to save us from our sins. So as you come to the table, I pray that you celebrate the fact that Jesus died for you. So come, let's go to the table.
0: Yes, Father, we come to you giving you thanks and praise for who you are, that you shine a light on us and your grace and your mercy, Lord. You've saved us, You've called us sons and daughters, how then can we not be a light to others who you love as your children? How then can we not shine a light? How then can we not be salt? Lord, I pray that we would not lose our effectiveness, we'd not lose our flavor, we'd not lose the light. That burns within us, kindle it, Lord God. I pray that today is not an end in and of itself, but it's a day that launches us into a week of living like little Christs. The word Christian, Lord, means that we would be little Christs out into this world would you give us boldness and strength? Would you give us courage, stretch out of our comfort zone? Would you give us eyes to see those who are hurting and be Christ to them? Use us, oh God. Use Cypher Christian Church. Use us, God. We pray these things in Jesus' name. God bless you guys. Go in peace. Have a fantastic Sunday. And we'll see you on Ash Wednesday at 6.30 p.m.